Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. It's been a while since I hosted a podcast so this one became really special for me and doubly so as I had a chance to catch up with a former colleague Baiju Joseph a product operations leader with nearly 3 decades of experience his career in technology and software development coupled with an intense focus right from the beginning on learning doing the right thing finding innovative means adopting the best to maximize impact to customers and the business and more are all part of Baiju's essence. Listen on to experience it on this episode of the Software People Stories podcast. Good morning and a good evening to you Baiju. A very warm welcome to you on the Software People Stories podcast. I've been looking forward to our conversation ever since uh, you gave us the go ahead and I'm excited having been uh, colleagues with you and having known you for over two decades. So very warm welcome to you to the Software People Stories. Good morning Chitra. Hey, thanks for inviting. Baiju, all of our guests have their own uh, stories behind how they got into the world of computing, technology, computer science and other technologies. So, where did you start? How did you decide that you wanted a career in technology? Why did you choose to study what you studied and how did you get into this space? This is this is a great question. I I've done engineering electronics and communication engineering so during that days i'm sure a lot of things you know we we, we don't know what really to want to do uh, my first admission was into mechanical engineering that's what i got initially then few months luckily i got electronics so i changed to electronics and studied electronics but during that course i studied uh, fortran and cobol i still remember studying that and that that kind of given me an indication that that's something which i want to do but unfortunately i could not really get a job break into that one of my big initial job was working with all india radio as a broadcasting engineer so i kept my passion alive I started learning Java on part time going to a polytechnic I started applying uh, I used to apply and never got anything during the 5 years but I think the break came when I came to Bangalore novel was hiring I learned C myself I learned Java myself and I was in all india radio I applied some of this knowledge and built some solutions and software which which was kind of useful for the office and the break was getting into novel and that thing big career breakthrough At Novel I know you started out in the role of a system test engineer and how did that pan out some of your significant takeaways if you reflect where you are today from those days and how did that pave the path for you to take on other roles and challenges in your career two things really come to my mind uh, one is the basic foundation we got in the system testing team it, it was more like a software testing university with a lot of laboratory kind of experiences no? so i i always felt novel is like a very advanced software testing university some of this during that time some of the latest things were 
taught and we practice, we continuously improve what we do. So that's number one. And I'm, I'm glad that later our manager, Srini, he went on to write a book on system testing and it just become a book in universities in India and China and many other places. So that's just because of the kind of work what we're doing and the kind of work what he was leading with even leaders like JV on this area, system testing and overall testing space. So that's number one. Then And that really helped because some of that foundations we got on uh, software testing, software engineering principles at Novel, that really helped. And it's even today, it's kind of helping me. The second one is training we got on leadership. So Novel usually identify future leaders and they have this one week kind of training and then separate grooming sessions. So I I was lucky enough to you know get selected into that and going through that program. And that has even given an amazing foundation for uh, some of the leadership practices. Learning from leaders like JV, I think all almost all the all the directors Vikram, Vikram was an amazing leader. I, I think one picture still comes into my mind. The novel cafeteria was on the fourth floor and uh, afternoons, you will see this Vikram running and, and going up. That kind of energy, the way he motivated, the way he talked to people. So there's a lot of leadership lessons and the software testing and software engineering lessons, what, what we got from novel. It kind of acted as a university. And I, I don't remember kind of getting that kind of training and coaching any of my other uh, experiences later. Certainly, Baiju, I can empathize with a lot of what you said. And I believe that I've personally benefited from that kind of exposure and grounding in my career, certainly. From then on, you you know, you moved to a very, very different environment. And you had to take on somewhat of a leadership role for, for a whole company. What was that like? And I can imagine that you would have had to balance both leading teams, delivering, and running a company. What was that experience like? What are some of the hits and misses from that that you can share with us? Yeah, this is Ariba. After three, three and a half years with Novel, I moved to Ariba. Ariba, I was, if I remember correctly, I may be employee number 20 or something in their Indian operations. So during the early, early days, it's not like established We don't have the computers and IT set up properly. We don't have an MD yet. There's no India director yet. And and even there's no proper cafeteria set up. You need to figure it out. How are you going to get the the lunch for the employees? So there is a lot of basic stuff. So when I joined, my initial responsibility was to set up a quality engineering team for one of the CD products, one of the flagship Ariba products. But later, I think within... Three, three months itself, I've been asked to set up many other teams, uh, QE team, police engineering team, and later the upgrade lab where Ariba was moving from CD to SAS, so that upgrade lab for that. Um, so it's it's a different types of experience, even the customer support, uh, customer escalation engineering team. But meantime, while the engineering and uh, that related work, there's a lot of help could give to setting up teams here. The other struggle was there's no proper leadership here and a company decided to create a steering committee to run the Indian operations and one of the VP came from uh, US and uh, working with uh, the HR and all the other managers so we, we initially selected I remember like five or six of us as the steering committee to run uh, 
the operations here. And I've been nominated as a first uh, rotating chair uh, for the first quarter. So I think we, that's a place where we were started talking, how will we set up recognition practices? How will we set up uh, hiring practices? How will we set up compensation practices? So I could kind of touch upon a lot of things. And there are people from US who, who was kind of helping and guiding that gave an experience of looking at 360 degree of company. You know, I, I still remember some of the days you may need to go and clean up your desk yourself because that's not really properly set up. We were also you know, able to be part of the team to hire the head of in India, the MD for India. Uh, that is an amazing experience, uh, hiring your, your own manager. It's a lot of learning, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that some of the foundations and cultural practices which we set up, some of the employees whom we hired there, and the team, like 80% of the team I set up is still there. I think it's because we had this bonding, which the culture and the bonding we created. A lot of them are grown up as like VPs and directors and doing great. So I think it's, it's more about the 360-degree learning setting up an establishment in uh, Bangalore. At the same time, uh, focusing a lot on culture, building the teams on, on the culture and the people perspectives. That's incredible, Baiju. Uh, in fact, I have never probably asked you this question. We never probably had the opportunity during our times of meeting to actually explore what that experience like. So thank you so much for sharing that. In fact, there is... Probably one question that I will see if we could address further in this conversation, and it's around culture, which is mm -hmm. uh, typically the hardest to shift, let's say, in an existing organization if it needs to. And even while establishing it, uh, I'm sure that you must have had significant challenges. But before that, I know you to be someone who truly adopted you know, the principles and values of, of Agile. And you've tried to bring them to a lot of what you do at work. How did you imbibe these? Because a lot of times people uh, tend to think of values and principles as things that are up there. And how to translate those into practices in your daily life and work become challenging. So how did you take these on, imbibe them and actually make them part of your ways of working? Great question, Chitra. Great question. I think I, I want to put some background before we starting. So in novel, it was waterfall. You know, there are most of the releases like you know, nine months, one year long, CD releases. So it's like the old waterfall style. That's what was happening. But when I joined Adiba, we were we were an offshore team, setting up an offshore team. But in America at that time, uh, Adiba has hired one of the inventors of Scrum, Jeff Sutherland to coach Ariba as you know, is their, their main mentor to set up, how to set up distributed Agile because Agile and Scrum was initially when it was in the early 2000s, when it was coined in, uh, it was primarily for co-located teams. And this is like 2003, 2004, where they're trying to see hey, how can we do Agile on a distributed mode where we have teams in India and we have teams in America, how can we do that? So two people who are driving the agile adoption that time in Ariba, one is of course, Jeff Sutherland as a coach and uh, Craig Federighi, who was the CTO of Ariba. Craig, Craig Federighi is now the, the head of Apple engineering. If you go and look at a lot of this Apple tech announcements, you'll see Craig there. Um, so they were, they were driving um, the way 
how how can we do agile and i, I still remember they will there will be drama shows and showcases and mainly making people understand the value of agile primarily dividing and conquering early feedback loops it's like once you start seeing the value and and the results from that i think then i think that that's why i i became passionate about it and i could clearly see you know especially i i, I still remember we, we used to run i think it's 3 weeks or 2 weeks uh, sprint i don't exactly remember but end of the sprint the entire company it's a monday morning if i remember will come and demo in a one hour meeting there will be a lot of food and the vps and a lot of people will be there and the demos are demo they're not like ppts the real working software get demoed every 3 weeks and this is very different from what we seen in novel where we see the working product after 9 9 months so the the real value and the results of agile got really got into my heart and i i became so passionate about this and started reading a lot started experimenting the dis- distributed agile how can we make it work that's the some of the basics how it started and I, how i got passionate about agile and then based based on that i think what a lot of work what we what we had done in ariba india and ariba us teams together we started experimenting fine tuning based on the inputs given uh, by the teams in america and we tried to do that and we started seeing amazing results how did you actually get teams to sort of imbibe those principles and values of agile you know when you say trust and respect and empowering teams and translate that into the way you work with always have a demonstrable product that you can show your customers always be open to feedback anticipate change in requirements and you sort of iteratively build your product how, how do you get people to actually come on board with these and make it part of their working yeah in this case the agile in ariba in the early days i think all the credit a lot of credit go to the team the leadership team who drove so if you look at the cto was driving it and the cto was passionate about it and the the entire engineering leadership so it, it was more like the senior leadership you know they they completely bought into the value they understood it then they practiced it and it's not like a textbook training you no know, you go go for a one day training or a two day training it's rather they use lot of innovative ways as i told one of the thing was they will conduct some tree drama kind of stuff where you will understand the value of agile they they will not talk about software rather a drama to kind of bring out how a divide and conquer or early feedback loop kind of thing can add value because you know agile is not just for software agile can be applied in many many places a vegetable vendor can use it a construction company can use it can be anywhere so this this simplified the value and the results of agile they simplified through these kind of initiatives so from the top down they were taking this initiative so because of that a lot of us in, and and even the entire teams they started seeing the value so it's a lot of credit go to the senior leadership so i don't think it's i have played anything on this i was a learner during that so teams got into this because we saw the value of it. that's interesting and yes also could relate to a lot of it where it says that any change whether it's mindset behaviors which is largely make them work and then ultimately you're able to see the results starts with you know the leadership and then everybody sort of rallies around it because they know that their leaders are also invested in in doing the right thing from then on you know when you look at uh, this is a question that is close to my heart because it talks about building the right product and uh, also getting to understand customers so and these two go hand in hand while building engineering product 
what have been some experiences that have worked for you and what have been things that you know you wished you had done better or done differently that you could share with respect to building products from the ground up great question so i'll i'll talk about some of the recent stuff what i done so uh, after adiba i moved to yahoo uh, yahoo hired me to lead the quality engineering practices for the emerging market countries and then i i went on to do release engineering been asked to lead the engineering development team for yahoo web hosting product which is like half the revenue for the yahoo small business the director for the web hosting product you no know, he was leaving so i asked my vp hey, i can help you until you hire somebody and this team was doing not so much of development it's a very old product very legacy product so the only duty that time was to work with the contracting team to migrate the tech stack from an old unix to a new unix that was a primary work there was no proper lot of active development was happening so later what happened is things got changed and we were in a juncture we decided okay it's not only just migrating the, the tech stack migration but can we start looking at uh, what really customers want and then by this time i i also kind of evolved my thought process um, so one side there is agile but there is i i become a big fan of uh, simon sinek i'm sure you would have heard about the start with why by simon sinek i'm i'm a fan yeah. as well <laughs> <laughs> so i got it through one of the leadership training at yahoo and i felt that's common sense you know you start with why that's the way the brain thinks that's very easy to kind of communicate with your team and people around you the customers and why can't we start doing why instead of starting with the what i think i internalized a lot about the start with why you know, the belief systems and that's the most important if you your team and your customers if you can have the same belief systems then it resonates well between you and your team and your customers and then then based on that we can decide how you really want to do it the approach of doing it the strategy of doing it that you can develop once you have the belief system and the why are solidified and at the end you you can get a good end product or something so and this so i i started putting customers at the center of every discussions be it with my team we we started putting customer at the center of this why and we we started developing this belief system i think it's like a pledge or oath before our most of our quarterly planning meetings and annual meetings you know, uh, we believe that whatever we do is to deliver value to customers with quality at speed and we we started evolving it later we started doing that and in this one of this 2015 meetings we told hey we need to now get out of just tech stack migration we need to start delivering value to customers we started i think there is an amazing exercise we done with um, our team we involved customer care uh, because they they understand the feedback from the customers directly we involved them uh, we involved the customer escalation team we involved the development and the qe the ued people and uh, we started listing down what what do we really want to give to our customers in this coming year uh, and the number number one i think we called p0 that time was the editor website editor which we were offering for the customers could not build a website which is mobile friendly in 2015 because the editor was so old it's like a 10 year 12 year old technology stack so we want to do that but at the same time my team was a pretty small team we we started looking at the option because our 
our hosting infrastructure was some of the best in the world that time, but this editor was very old. So you're looking for an editor who can plug in. We know we cannot build it with our own team because it, the companies like Wix or Weebly or Squarespace, they, they are huge teams building this editor. So we are looking for options, somebody who can plug into our architecture. We've we done a lot of pilots with different vendors and we found some company who can work with them. It's very advanced one. I think it's, it's like, I think getting the pilot approved with our VPs um, and then running the entire program, eight scrum teams within Yahoo Small Business, including, so I had my own scrum team for hosting. Then there are other, bringing in other six, seven scrum teams because it's, it's a huge integration work. And this vendor who is outside of America and releasing the first, pro, first I think we, we used to have weekly demos and we will bring in the VPs and all the people come see the demo, play with the, play with the products. And we were able to build it week by week, you know, smaller, smaller steps together. And within four months, we could release our internal release, the first playable version for a lot of our internal users. After a few months, we had an, a solid beta release and we con conducted contests among our own engineers so that we get a lot more feedback. And within one month, we kind of went and released. And then we had two year roadmap. And today that, that product has become the center of a lot of our strategy. That product has become a lot of strategy. So one reason it worked is because we, I think the two things, one is we are able to bring in customer at the center of whatever we've done. And the other one is that overall agile way of doing it. So we were able to get the feedback. You know, the VPs were in this meeting. So we, we clearly told them, this is a place for you to give the feedback, not after you know, three months or four months. So, you know, so we were able to you know, showcase a lot of people. We, we also had this practice called group testing. You now after the demo, teams will go back and play and then give the feedback. You know, we file a bug and if there are blockers, we fix it immediately before the next print, next print start. And, all. and this is something which we learned from Maribel. I think this is something which really worked well and something which not really worked. I think this is this is my priority after when we were kind of doing the CD to SaaS migration for some of the products. A lot of, lot of things were new and there were a lot of CD customers which are like Fortune 500s and Fortune 1000s. Their use cases are things very different for different customers. And now we are trying to build this product into a SaaS version where we cannot customize. If it is a CD product, I think there is an amazing practice to customize it heavily. Now, when you want to convert that into SaaS, and again, I'm talking about uh, 2006, 2007 kind of timeframe where the SaaS is just evolving. That was a big challenge. How will you even you know, test it, the different scenarios, what, what customers want? And unfortunately, could not really understand what what kind of customization possible when you release what customers will really ask it, it was like an open-ended question a lot of cases and we kind of learned over time and releasing sometimes and then oh man it's not going to work and then we need to go fine-tune sometimes the architecture sometimes the way we test it it would have been better if we know and this is like we are building for the future no this is not like we are going to copy something existing but this this is building on this new SaaS infrastructure, bringing an existing product to a new product, and then building customizability into SaaS during the early days of the SaaS evolution. Yeah, I think that's something which I could have, I, I, now if I look at maybe in the requirement stage itself, you know, maybe you could have looked at a lot more deeper into the customizability aspect and the QE getting involved a lot more into 
uh, that discussions and then trying to create different kind of data sets, which we could not really do during the 2005, 2006 timeframe. And we, we got into troubles. I know some of this implementations, we, we got into, you know, avoidable issues. Interesting, Baiju. And often things like these become our learning or aha moments. I think that leads into my next question in terms of uh, there seems to be a lot more appreciation uh, for using events of failure, as I like to call them, because failure to me is just an event, as ways of learning quickly and rapidly. Today, uh, given the rate of change of things, you know, what in your opinion calls for a culture that supports or has a tolerance for failure. Let's say today you have a lot more uh, mechanisms uh, to do things like instrument your code, pick up uh, customer inputs as early as possible in their awareness, usage and adoption journey of a product. Uh, but yet uh, there are points where you know things may really not go the right way. So you know building that culture of uh, tolerance and failure, but learning quickly and making those, continuous improvements how does one build that into an organization so this is the place where i think that the new way of working a lot of this devops practices comes in place so 2018 we were building uh, microservices we are kind of moving a lot of our stack to microservices and um, i was driving the kubernetes adoption of this microservices that time with the team i was kind of the devops council's chair and driving it so i i've done a lot of reading and learning about Kubernetes and using Spinnaker for a canary deploys. Uh, so the canary, we introduced canary practices. So in, in the canary, the beauty is you, know, you can have the, the current version running on one side. And then when when you have the new version coming, what, what we used to do in the canary deploy, we, we, we sent a small percentage of traffic. It can be 2%, it can be 5% or 10%. Send a small percentage of traffic. And there is a concept called canary confidence factor, which is based on a lot of signals from the system, which is based on the real customers. You know, so while there are a lot of testing practices, shift left practices, uh, which we do to ensure, I, I, we, we do a lot of shift left stuff. And it's like almost zero touch pipeline what we created. And we had uh, the unit tests should be 75 percentage code coverage. I don't believe in the number, but we used to know that we were able to bring in this culture for this microservices team where we write the unit test to ensure it acts as a safety net for that code, you know, rather than getting this number. And while teams started doing building unit tests with that culture, what happened is uh, the numbers started becoming 75 and 80s and 90s. Unit tests are typically very fast to execute and easy to maintain. So while we've done a lot of shiftlet and we, we have sonar queue practices where we, the code quality, the security aspects, then we had X-ray scan on the packages. And so there are a lot of shift left aspects we brought in. The QE will do Q, the testing team. We call QE quality engineering. Testing team will automate along with the sprint. You know, if there's a new microservice getting developed, the automation for that is actually happening in the same sprint. That's one of our exit criteria sprint. The smoke for that get automated during the same sprint. So a lot of shift left. At the same time, we were able to get uh, some of these practices where don't don't deploy the new version so that customers see that full. Rather, we send it we send only a small percentage of traffic, and based on the confidence, 
canary confidence factor, then promote it gradually. So that that kind of concepts, you know, that some of these industry practices and the, the container and the Kubernetes kind of technology kind of gives us that freedom, which was not available. If you look at uh, during Novel's time or earlier Adiba's time, I, I don't think that kind of industry was not matured into that. But today, yeah, we have a lot of that uh, options available and we were able to use some of that and all these shiftless practices and the scannery practices, what we deployed in our overall culture and the practices, we were able to improve our, uh, the speed of delivery. You know, it got improved by uh, roughly by 40, 40 plus percentage. Our production incidents were going down year over year by around 30, 38 percentage. It's interesting because I was uh, actually looking at some of your older articles and I think this brought together the confluence of people, process and technology very nicely. So thank you for that. We usually look at what our guests would like to leave as messages for aspirants who want to get into the world of tech. And someone like you who's had like almost three decades of experience across so many functions you played several different roles. You pretty much even set up offices. What would be your advice or messages for you know young people who want to get into the world of technology? I think that one of the most important thing in the technology is the technology changes almost every day. And uh, the practices will be different. You know, if you look at every quarter or every year, there are new things coming up. So one of the most important thing is if you if you want to kind of excel in a tech world, you know we should we should have this self learning kind of a culture where while we are working on something currently, but at the same time keep an eye on state of the art, learn and play, and then bring in. You know, if you think that oh this is going to add value to the company and to our customers, try to start piloting and 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 be that leader, be that uh, you know innovator for your team so that ultimately customers will get value. I think that that's the way, you know, for example, I was telling about this Kubernetes and uh, the canary. We could have really done you know, just a normal AWS deployment and could have left with it without even uh, a, a Kubernetes stuff. But if the technology has evolved, I think it's time to learn and apply it. I think that I think that's one of the key messages. Keep, keep always your time open to learn new things and then apply and, and uh, work with your leaders to kind of you know, pilot and take it forward. Yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, learning becomes a way of life because like you said, technology is changing so fast. Uh, sometimes it becomes overwhelming as well. And you feel, you know, are you learning enough? Do you know enough? Will I... Uh, will what I know today be relevant tomorrow, given that so many things are now being automated? And with the advent of AI, a lot of what people were doing is going to be accomplished much faster by algorithms. So what do you think are things that people can develop to stay relevant and use their human faculties, if you will, at work? To obviously, you know, build great products, continue to build great products, find fulfilling careers yeah it, it takes me back to what i learned in novel i still remember this is one of this interviewing skills training one of the leaders one of the directors he was taking this class and one of the message i i got it from there and still carry with me hire for attitude and train for skills hire for attitude and train for skills i think it's that oh no attitude there's this positive attitude life is not going to be 100 percentage full no it's i usually tell people about this you know, half filled glass story now, there will be emptiness always. 
you can be sad by looking at the emptiness, but you can be happy by just looking at what we have and dream for that emptiness partner. You want to fill it that with something else. So you keep that positive attitude in whatever you do. At the same time, the skill can be learned. And today, I mean, there's there's a lot of options. You know, you have multiple uh, options uh, available to learn, be it AI, be it uh, any text tag. You can do hands-on, you can learn. So, so I think the, the two important things is while learning new things, but at the same time, keep a very positive attitude towards your your work, your life, and things around you, and the people around you. And, and we are here to you know, help each other. You know? uh, it's not like, you know, don't look towards you, just look, always look outside to lead your life to support each other. And, and the place where you work will be a lot more better and happier place. Thank you very much, Baiju. I appreciate it. And I want to say with this, uh, thank you so much for your time. I think this was a great conversation. I hope we can have a lot more conversations in the future on various topics. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Chitra. Thanks for this opportunity. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.